Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and moves in agricultural markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening in today and I hope you all had a nice Easter break. I've definitely enjoyed another four-day work week. Sorry to brag to all the farmers out there that keep on keeping on through public holidays. As an intro to today's episode, I want to get you thinking about wool and copper. Now, two very different products, I know, but both industrial commodities. Wool is essentially a feedstock for an industrial process with fashion on the end of the supply chain. But Andrew Woods did some analysis for us last week that turned a few heads and had us talking about the impact of economic cycles and what actually drives the price of wool. So we have the man himself on today's episode to talk us through the analysis with Robert Herman, where they also chat about the drivers of premiums between Merino Micron categories, the rebuild of the sheep flock and the wool market outlook for the rest of 2021. So some really interesting discussion in today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. But first, a thank you to Cleaver's Meats for sponsoring today's episode. Not only do they have these fantastic convenient bundle boxes that you can buy online, which are filled with a variety of different Cleaver's products, but they also have all the dinner inspiration you will need with the recipes that they share on social media. So be sure to check it out. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. And now it's my pleasure to introduce and leave you in the very capable hands of Robert Herman and Andrew Woods. Thanks, Olivia. And uh, you're right. It's a very good time to be talking to our good mate, Andrew Woods, up at Independent Commodity Services based out of Wagga. We've got the Easter break. Andrew, for the wool market, it's a good time to have a reflection on what's going on. But I wanted to start off just by mentioning an article you wrote where you talked about the relationship with wool prices to other industrial commodities. And I just wonder if you could uh, sort of elaborate a little bit as to why you think those relationships, because they are not obvious things that we would think are related, why do they exist and and what can we learn from them? Yeah, hello, Rob. Uh, Well, wool, raw wool, greasy wool from our our end of this system goes into a quite long processing chain and then through to retail, so it takes a while. And so it has to go through quite a few manufacturing stages. And so it's not like a, a food in the such, it has an extended supply chain. And uh, in, in common with other industrial commodities, and uh, if we talk about industrial commodities, you can talk about things like uh, some of the metals, like copper, and the, the, the other fibres, the, the man-made fibres. And wool tracks similar cycles and trends to those industrial commodities on average, uh, because it, it, it responds pretty closely to the demand coming out, the gross demand coming out because of economic cycles of the major developed economies. Various industrial com- uh, um, commodities are responding to similar demand signals. So how does that play into the, you know, the story that, you know, wool is, a, it's some sort of a special fibre, we know that, I mean, it's, it's quite unique, but are you saying it really doesn't have, um, you know, a separate price trajectory from other commodities or or not? Well, Carmel told me something this morning. He said, everyone's dog's special and everyone's right. So I think this goes yeah. the same for fibres. Wool has a niche uh, in or various niches. I think the interesting thing in the bigger picture, 
the direction, the trends and the cycles of prices for wool and, 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 and other commodities uh, are out of the control of the people in, within that industry. They come from the, from the outside, from the bigger economic picture. So just building onto that, there was another piece that you presented the other day on Mercado website, and you talked about the Merino Micron premiums. And uh, I know that the key takeaway message from that was that, um, you know, the changing supply of different Micron categories influenced the premium or discount they received against one another. So all wool is not wool. You know, in Australia, we've got crossbred wool, we've got medium merino wool, we've got fine merino wool, we've got super fine merino wool. What's been happening in those ranges and what are the things that are driving the changes that are happening now between the micro and premiums? Well, supply supply impacts wool prices in terms of their relativity. So uh, it's supply impacts wool prices in terms of relativity in relation to other fibres like cotton or, or acrylics. And then within the wool market itself, supply affects the prices of different categories of wool. So if you've got less wool, so this year or the past, past particularly past 12, 15 months, the, the, the clip's been broadening up since the start of the rain again in Eastern Australia in early 2020, the, the supply of um, 17 micron and finer wool in particular has fallen, while the, the, the supply of uh, 20 to 23 micron merino wool has risen. So that change in supply of the different micron categories uh, uh, has, has caused uh, uh, the, the, the buy side or the supply chain to have to pay more for fine wool and relatively less for uh, broader merino wool. So that's pushed push the micron price curve up. And with this, with the March rainfall, that's just going to keep, particularly in Eastern Australia, that's just going to keep keep the pressure, the supply pressure on that price curve, at least through to the end of this year, this calendar year, you think? Yeah, just talking about that, Andrew, and, and, you know, the break in the drought came sort of after all the bushfires in January of 2020. How much change has happened given the, the change in feed and the season. So what sort of movement on the micron range are you seeing? Uh, well, it's change in micron over the over the clips always less than individuals will see on their farms. Um, so the clips, the Moreno clips broadened up by 0.3.35 of a micron over the year. The uh, coming crossbred clips probably broadened up a bit more than that. Even the downs clips broadened up a bit. So You've got to split. You've got to split all those breeds apart because they they have different uh, uh, micron distributions and they overlap and give you a misleading story. So you split them, keep them separate. So 0.35 of a micron. That's enough to dr- drop the supply of the fines and push the pro- supply of the broads up. And some corresponding relationship between an increase in in fleece weights. Have we got any figures on that yet, or is that something that we only just come to get you know towards the end of the season? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's a pertinent question um, because we know uh, uh, fibre diameter and f- uh, f- uh, fleece weight are, uh, are linked, and there's there's no hard numbers for that. On my analysis, roughly it looks to me over the clip, over the whole clip, um, uh, if you shift, if it shifts a micron, then it's shifting the the, the clean fleece weight. Probably by about 19%. So 
So if we shifted 0.35 uh, of a micro about a third of that, so we're about 6 or 7% change in uh, clean fleece weight, which seems a little light, but I suppose you've got, we've got a whole range of class of animals in there, and that will also be including um, crossbreds because we can't, the, the data can't break it up by breed. We're also often reminded that the drought hasn't broken everywhere. And uh, the, uh, yesterday I, I was in Bairnsdale and, um, you know, the kaikuyu grass is up above your knees. And then today I've, I'm here in Snowtown at a sheep industry conference and it looks like the moonscape. It's just, uh, just the desert. So we do have a wide range as well of uh, seasonal conditions kicking in, even though, you know, by and large we're calling the drought as, a, as over. Yeah, well, that's true. And you've got 20% of the clip in Western Australia and when they've had a very tough season. So that's a good point. You've got to be careful not to um, extrapolate what you see out your window to everywhere else. Yes, and uh, just one of our, uh, or one of my, I suppose, my um, pet subjects, I think, is the, is the sheep flock numbers. And uh, we, you put up an article and, and some data the other day that showed that New Zealand is, is certainly not recovering in sheep numbers. Um, there's, there's a bit of conjecture that, you know, we, our, um, our slaughter rates have dropped here in Australia, so the, the flock has a chance to grow. What's your feeling on that? Well, adult uh, slaughter rates down to about 8% over the last 12 months, which is pretty good. That's probably about 4% below break uh, or neutral level. So you, you can argue that um, farmers are holding back about what, the equivalent of 4% of the flock uh, to try and push numbers up. And lamb slaughter rates down probably a couple of percent on what you'd expect to be normal. That normal has been sort of 30, 30, 31% to 33% of the flock over the last four or five years or so. So from certainly from a, the numbers sent to the uh, the abattoirs, uh, uh, farmers look like they're trying to build numbers up and you'd argue that there's 6 7% uh, percent, uh, held back. Uh, so they give, you a, a, give us a, a boost in numbers of 6 or 7% middle of this year compared to a year ago. The, the, the one uncertainty of that is uh, death rates on farm and, and lambing rates on farm. So um, I'm assuming that they're on par this year with last year. But if they lifted up, of course, if they were higher, they'd uh, put, um, cut into that uh, the lower numbers of sheep sent to abattoirs. You, you would think there's probably an argument that that death rate and lambing percentage should be should improve you know the death rate should be lower and lambing percentage should be up because you know the value of sheep now would be incentivizing people to make whatever decisions they have to 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 keep a sheep alive for a start i mean you're not going to make much money out of sheep that aren't going to make it but look just moving on i thought we'd um we'd wrap it up and uh you know we, we go back a long way talking about wool for our sins andrew but uh I'm interested in your thoughts about what's ahead of us now. You know, there's, there's, there's concerns about logistics at exporters' levels. There's concerns about, um, you know, that the, the markets might be a bit rocky. But uh, on the other hand, there's probably the last period since January, we, we've got a reason to be quite optimistic. What's your take on where we're going to see the market track along between now and the end of the year? Well, if you come back to the industrial commodities and, and look at what they've done, over, certainly since last September, wool's just tracked along in the pack. It's, it's neither exceptional um, um, 
not outperforming or underperforming. Um, maybe the brewer, the Marinos might be underperforming a bit, but there's a lot more volume floating around. So um, if you're talking about out-and-out -out price movements, uh, we're looking into a new season. Looks like the US is going to do pretty well in, in terms of economic recovery, but that might be offset by a slowing Chinese, or it looks like it's going to be offset by a slowing Chinese economy. The wild cards Europe, that's, that's still struggling with the pandemic. So I suspect that the, the, the outcome of that is that we just muddle, muddle our way through. We haven't got a combined set of economies either growing or, uh, or falling away in the recession. We've got some doing really well, some coming off, some lost in the wilderness. So I suspect we just muddle, muddle our way through the rest of this year. So that's the bigger pitch. And then within the market itself, uh, you've got the change in relative prices because of the change in supply. And the, it looks like the uh, the pressure will stay on um, um, micron price uh, premium. So we'll have a, um, they'll stay reasonably wide through most of this year, I, I suspect. And VM discounts are going to be an issue because there's going to be plenty of VM for the next 18, 24 months at this stage, given what's happened. So all in all, it's given what's happened the last year, it's probably not a bad scenario to uh, look forward to. Is it a good enough scenario to see the industry, um, you know, crank up production down the track, or do you think that's not something we should be worried about? Well, farmer choices of enterprises are just based on relative, relative income. So they're, they're going to make their decisions on uh, the relative prices between crops and livestock, and then within livestock between sheep and cattle and within sheep between meat and, and wool. So, and that's, they're forever changing. So will sheep numbers pick up? I, I suspect sheep numbers, sheep numbers steadied about a decade ago after falling from the start of the 1990 and then they steady, steadied up around, around a decade ago and that's common in Australia and South Africa and Argentina. Um, Northern New Zealand, New Zealand's a bit different because they got monstered by dairy, dairy stole lot of resources off off sheep so my take on it is in terms of sheep numbers uh, uh the industry's been wanting to be have, have steady or build numbers slightly but um seasons haven't allowed so seasons allowed i would think sheep numbers have got a reasonable chance of building and then within sheep numbers you've got whether it's going to be prime lamb or merino but uh, and that's going to depend on various uh, the relative prices between meat and wool i suppose yeah. All right. Well, look, it's always great to chat with you, Andrew. And I know um, from the feedback we get from the Mercado output that uh, people really enjoy the insights you bring. Um, there's no doubt that we think you're um, you're the preeminent wool analyst around. So that's why we love having you on on board. Thanks for coming on Commodity Conversations and uh, and all the best for you up there in Wagga. Pleasure, Rob. Thanks, Rob and Andrew, and our listeners for supporting us every week by tuning in. If you want more detail on anything we covered today, take a look at the reports on the Mercado website. There is a bunch of free content on there along with this podcast, or you can take out a premium subscription and have our analysts at your fingertips to help answer your burning questions. Have a great weekend, and we'll speak to you again in a week's time. Commodity Conversations, audio production by David Myers.